Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Joe Barry, Managing Director at Platinum Care Solutions Group, which has been providing care solutions in Hampshire for over 20 years. Alongside its sister companies, Acre Care and Safe Harbour, Platinum Care is the largest independent care group on the South Coast, as well as being multi-award winning. Our conversation covers everything from Joe's early career experiences and how they alerted her to the way recruitment in the care sector could be improved, growing the business as a single mother of three children and investing and empowering her staff to the challenges of recruitment, the importance of seeking external advice and her empathetic approach to leadership. Joe is also wonderfully upfront about the impact that entrepreneurship has had on her family life and talks about what made her consider growth by acquisition rather than just relying upon organic growth. It's a broad ranging and honest conversation about the joys and challenges of working in the care sector and running your own business. Please do enjoy the show. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the podcast. Really looking to have a really interesting conversation with you today, Joe, about everything to do with the care sector, but also, and importantly, how you've grown uh, such a strong business over you know a relatively uh, short period of time and some of the lessons that you've learnt along the way. So we should probably start with the fact that you studied linguistics and business at university, then came out and joined the recruitment sector before founding Plasma and Care in 2004. So what drew you with those experiences into the care sector, Joe? So I was really lucky, actually. When I finished university, I managed to land quite a good job with a company called AMEC, who, I, who aren't in business actually anymore, but they are an engineering company. So, And I was placed on their recruitment arm um, working in the oil and gas and railway industry. So I was recruiting project managers and uh, engineers and things. And then I progressed on to the Amex B project, which was uh, part of the Channel Tunnel rail link between Chatham and Kent, Chatham and Ashford. Um, so I learned so much. I learned a lot about uh, engaging in positive relationships because you can have a clear objective, but unless you've got people on the bus with you, it's very difficult to make something happen. So you know what you want to happen, but you've got to get everybody engaged on and to make those um, objectives happen. So I learned a lot about that. And then by chance, I met a businessman in, at a local uh, networking event. And I'm going to give him credit, actually, because I owe 
much of my success today to the fact that he gave me the opportunity to do what I do. So his name is Steve Geach and he owns the he owns a chain of care homes, quite large care homes all across the South Coast. His company is called English Oak. And the, the conversation went something along the lines of he's using a lot of agency in his care homes, um, not happy with the quality of the uh, of the candidates. And he asked if I knew anything about it and could I possibly help him with a recruitment company, uh, recruiting care workers. Obviously, I love a challenge and said yes straight away, although I knew nothing about the care sector. At all. <laughs> um, and I was also a little bit frightened about it. I was scared about the responsibility that, that carers had and nurses had when looking after vulnerable people. I, I was quite wary of of dipping my toe into those waters but I did love a challenge and the minute he sort of said to me that he was disappointed by the caliber of staff I thought right this is a challenge I'm going to look at it so I spent six months really um, going around my local area registering at care agencies um, just to see what it was like in that recruitment process really so I actually did it firsthand I did register with about eight agencies okay and what surprised me was how easy it was to get a job in care and the lack of experience that I actually needed or any real checks that, that that were taking place. So obviously a lot's changed since then. This is 20 years ago, but um, it did surprise me. And what it did highlight to me is that I could use the skills I've learned in recruitment and transfer them into the care sector and make the whole recruitment process much more professional, much more robust and much more accountable. Mm. Um, and I've I supplied him for the next fifteen years. We still supply him now, and that's really where it, that's where it started. And and again, like I said, I owe I owe a lot to him for giving me this opportunity. Really, it's really interesting, isn't it? A couple of things that come out there: you know, that serendipity in life, that chance, kind of meeting a chance conversation, that having had a conversation, seizing on the opportunity, but. I love the fact that you then went out and did all of the kind of background and the research and really um, understood who, what the opportunity was and what, you know, what did it consist of and what you'd need to do to be, be different. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was a big, it was a real eye opener. I, I don't believe people, agencies were doing things neglectfully. They were just doing things the way that they thought that they should be done. And most of the agencies that I were, that, that were around back then, were they, they hadn't come from sort of a business type background they were care workers that had climbed the ladder and and progressed in their careers and then saw the niche so I, I probably took a long time doing what I'm doing and I probably there were things that I could have done much simpler much quicker if I'd have had their experience so so the fact that I didn't have their experience hindered me along the way because it took me longer probably cost me more money but I, I didn't have the luxury of having the insight or the first-hand experience that they did. And over the last, so that was, well, nearly 20 years ago. So over the last 20 years, growing the business significantly, and we'll come on to talk about that. But you've also you know, developed your services, haven't you, from being that, I suppose, recruiter, provider of temporary staff into um, care homes to you know, providing sort of in-house direct services I mean how did that all come about has it just been an evolution was there a plan you know did you always have the 
aspiration for the business to be what it is today, Joe? Um, that's really interesting, actually. So when I very first started the business, um, I was busy. I was like a mad duck paddling so fast to keep things going. As well, I had three children. I was raising them by myself. So I was just such a busy, busy person. I had limited opportunity to horizon scan and see what was actually really going on. Um, and then as the business grew, I, 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 was, I managed to recruit people beneath me almost so that they could do the jobs that I was doing. So it gave me an opportunity to take a breath, look where the business was and have a look to see where it was going, what was happening. I've always been really interested in um, local government and, and where things go in terms of people's um, choices and care. And I, I started to realise that people actually wanted to stay at home. Although we have some wonderful care homes, like the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, it was a choice. People, If people wanted to stay at home, then they should be allowed to be at home to receive the care. And that, and that time, that was when I had the opportunity to go, okay, where can we move now? Where can I move this? I made sure that the business was built on very strong foundations. I, I built it so it had scalability. I invested very early on in processes and systems and back office support so that I could scale when needed. So I decided around 2009 that I was going to um, explore care at home and that's when we opened we, we opened up around 2010 uh, the care at home and since then it's the supply has swung from uh, recruitment to care at home and the majority of my business today is all delivering care at home interesting isn't it there's a, I was going to ask you about you know what would be some of your success tips for growth but I think I'm starting to hear a couple already about you know getting that time and space in the business to think more strategically or you know put your head up and look around and see what's happening in your industry and investing early uh, which you know it can be counterintuitive can't it when you start a business and you're trying to find that way of generating an income and get momentum you know to keep investing the profits um, in systems and processes to give you that space to grow. Um, you know, not many do that, but those that do, I think, do succeed. I think it's a great, great piece. And is, is there any other tips and thoughts that you'd give around how you've achieved the growth that you have, Joe? Well, obviously, there's two metrics, aren't there? There's the financial metrics that show that you're doing well in terms of you've got, you, you make enough profit to reinvest and, 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 um, and move forward. But there's also the investment that you give your staff. Um, some of my staff have been with me for around 15 years. And um, I believe that the majority of my success is based around the people that I have working in the business. Um, be, that, be that carers that have worked for me or nurses that have worked for me since the beginning. To my office staff. I, I, I believe I'm an empathetic leader. I believe that it's about listening to what they want in their job, in their, in their role. They're there for nine hours a day or eight hours a day. It's important that I ensure that they're happy there. And, and I believe that that's probably the big part of my, my success is the investment that I give my staff, whether that's time investment, whether that's training, um, or maybe it's just the empowerment that I give them. I, I, I let them run their departments quite autonomously and, uh, 
Yeah, I think that's probably my big. If I if I was to give anybody a piece of advice, it's it's to trust the people that you're employing because you can't be everywhere. You can't do everything. No, that's properly yeah, delegate, not abdicate, but delegate. And that piece about being, I think, an empathetic leader does play such a role, doesn't it? You know, particularly maybe in an industry that is about care, to have a leader, an owner of the business that does is empathetic does listen to them does care for them will make a big difference i'm sure to their lives but there must be some unique challenges in running a home care agency joe now what are they and how do you address them well i I think it's always been the supply the supply is always outstripped um sorry the demand is always outstripped the fact that we can't supply as quick quick enough or as much as we would like so recruitment's always been our challenge from day one The reason that I believe that we struggle so much is because we are so selective, because we have to be. Um, A a business like mine is built on reputation. So it only takes one bad uh, piece of press um, or or a candidate not really being up to the role for for your business to become quite shaky and quite vulnerable itself. So my biggest challenge in this business is is the recruitment, is to ensure that we are still recruiting the way we would recruit 19 years ago in terms of does this person hit the values of the business? Are they are they the type of person that could live by our values in our business? Because again, it's not it, it, people don't take the role for the salary; they take it as a vocation. They take it because they're a kind, caring, compassionate person that maybe wants to give back and get paid for it as well. It's really interesting, isn't it, though? Because in the early days of any business, recruitment seems easier, doesn't it? Because, you know, you're closer to it. It's a smaller team. Finding the people that fit the vision, mission and values is a lot easier. But doing that at scale can be really challenging, can't it? Because, you know, you're not as close to the business You, you know, people that have been there a long time maybe aren't in the recruitment process. I mean, how do you... Because clearly you've done this and you've succeeded at doing this, Joe. So how have you managed to keep that control of recruiting the right people that fit the business? Um, any hints and tips for the listeners? Well, it's going to sound a bit cliche, but the whole the whole culture starts at the top is so important, so important to me that I am visible in the business. Although I don't necessarily have hands-on recruitment now, I attend the recruitment meetings still. Um, I ensure that any processes that are changed in the recruitment um, process that I, I have a, a site of. Um, we have a HR manager that's very close to um, the recruiters that, make, that ensures that the people that go through uh, get signed off on their, on their milestones to so their onboarding process, then their uh, three-month process, then their six-month process. And then they're followed still on their journey to their next milestone, which is a year, two years, three years. So it's really important that it, it really hasn't changed, to be honest, Warren. Although I was very hands-on at the beginning, beginning and recruiting personally myself, the process still hasn't changed. The compliance has, but the process hasn't. The type of people that we're still getting through the door are the same people that I probably would have recruited back 19 years ago. The difference is now is... We have um, the sponsorships, you know, we have overseas uh, candidates that are applying. So sometimes we have an excess of 
200 applications a day. Um, out of those 200 applications, we may only have three people that, are, that would be acceptable to, to move forward in the business. So because we've got bigger, our profile's bigger, so we have a lot more candidates that come to us. So that can be really time consuming. Um, and it can take um, a lot of our, you know, manpower out just sifting through which is which are the right people for the for the job really definitely and i suppose that's a good example isn't it actually as i listen now you talk about systems processes empowerment um and your leadership style just what you were saying there about still being engaged in the important things like you know when the employment um the recruitment process is changing you know, when the systems are processed or the way and manner in which you do that or the induction takes place is changing, you get involved and you sit in that overall kind of recruitment meeting. I think that's a good example to the listeners of, you know, what you were saying earlier about your style of, of leadership. And it's about, I suppose, having that hand on the tiller at the important moments, isn't it? But allowing people the breadth and scope to do their roles and, and to succeed, Joe. Uh, I always knew that somebody would know more than me. You know, I've never been the person that goes, oh, actually, I know best and I'm going to move forward with that. There's the, I seek external advice all the time. I speak to people in my business, registered managers in, mainly about changes in care plans and, and care delivery. And, I, and I'm quite excited by the changes that happen within the care sector. I am excited by it. I still am after all these years. So... I'm quite humble in the fact that I don't know everything. There's going to, you know, my HR manager knows way more than I do about employment law. So let her do her bit. I just want to make sure that it hasn't strayed too far away from the original ethos of making lives better. Our mission is to make lives better, whether that's the, a care worker, a nurse or a service user or a family member. When we come into your life, when you, when you're touched by our business, I hope that you feel like, things have improved for you, whether that's your pay, whether that's your benefits in, in employment, or whether that means that somebody feels cared and supported to live in their own home. I know I was going to touch on that. I, when you're doing the research of this conversation, I saw that your mission statement was making lives better and it had been the same since 2004. I mean, what difference do you think it's made to you having such a consistent and clear mission statement in the last 20 years? I think it's because it's so clear. It's very easy to say, has somebody's life improved by working with them? And it's a very easy metric to, ma to measure. So, so I've got plenty years of examples of how we've improved the lives of service users, family members, um, years and years of examples. And I'm one of those people that I don't log it, I don't register it, I don't shout about it because it's very personal. And care should be very personal. But I know what we've done in the last 20 years, and I know the, the, the impact that we've had on people's lives. And I think having that mission statement, it's very clear. It, you, you, you can't confuse it. There's no ambiguity. It, it is what it is. And, and do we make lives better? Have we improved the life of somebody? Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, it's such a clear statement and it's kind of just, you know, correlates completely and aligns completely with what you do. But I also think sometimes businesses and entrepreneurs, maybe it's the shiny new thing syndrome, you know, chop and change their kind of values and their mission statements far too regularly. So it was that consistency that, you know, I loved in what you did. And I suppose we've talked a little bit about your style as the managing director, your leadership style. 
Um, you know, what have you learned about yourself in, and in terms of your personal skills and your leadership skills in the 20 years of running Platinum Care? Um, I'm, I, it's really tricky, this one, I think. I, I've learned that um, the business will never, never leaves you. It doesn't, you don't go on holiday and you, you forget about it. it. It's there with you for forever, really, you know, in, in terms of, I never really switch off. I'm completely confident with the care managers and the care delivery and all of that. And I have complete faith that what we do is a good job for people. I, I believe that. I think the thing that keeps me awake is I've got such important people around me, such important people that do such a wonderful job. I just want to always make sure that they're happy in their role and have I missed something? You know, so I've learned that I never really switch off. It's very difficult to switch off from, from this industry. And I believe it's the industry that does this. I've worked as a, you know, when I first started the business, I had to do consultancy work for other companies and things. And just because I, we didn't make enough money at the beginning. Um, and I, and I don't feel like that business ingrains in you quite like the care sector, quite like the care business has for me. Whether it's because I've been doing it for 19 years, I don't know. But um, I think that it's it's in my bloodline now. And whatever happens in the next sort of 10 years, I don't see myself leaving in terms of leaving the sector completely. Yeah, it's just in, yeah, it's it's got you. It's in your blood. Yeah. And then it's clear that there's a, there is a passion there. I suppose, you know, that never switching off is a lot, you know, a lot of business owners will, will relate to that and they'll hear that and, you know, what impact has that had and have you found any coping mechanisms with that? I mean, earlier in our conversation, we referred to the fact you started the business, you had three children, you're bringing them up on your own. You know, how, you know, what impact has, you know, being the business owner, being the entrepreneur had on you, Joe? Um, it's been lonely at times. It's been really quite lonely. Responsibility has been absolutely phenomenal. Um coping it's been my eldest son is 22 so um I he was only a, a small when I started the business and I think that having that it was hard having young children and, and going through pregnancies very limited maternity leave coming back very quickly into day-to-day jobs I think my coping probably is down to the fact that I did have them probably it made it harder but I had to I had to drop them to school I had to get places I had to be I had to show up and the fact that I was doing it for a purpose as well in the end you know I had a purpose it was to provide for my three children and to ensure that I didn't I didn't sway move far away from the mission of what I wanted this business to be this wasn't all about profit this wasn't all about making money this was about making a difference and creating something that nobody else had done around me. It's it's really interesting. Is that you got that you had those two pillars, didn't you? Listening to you, you had this pillar in the business about having done the research and seen what the care sector was like, wanting to make a difference in that industry. But you also had that clearly that strong personal p- purpose that you wanted to get to the point where you could provide security and financial security for your family. And those two things running alongside each other must have been a huge driving factor. It was. It, it really was, and it was the co- it was the coping mechanism because I kept because I was lucky. I kept achieving. I I ensured that 
we got hit milestones. I ensured that I put things in place to ensure that the next step was going to happen. Um, I networked really well at the beginning in terms of I made sure that everybody knew who I was in terms of the industry. Everybody knew that what I stood for. And uh, whether you owned a, um, a marketing business that I asked to help with a website, for example, he knew who I was and he knew what I stood for. So then he spoke about me. So I ensured that everybody knew what I stood for and, and what I was h- hoping to achieve. Brilliant. And if we start to just come back round into the care sector, you know, what have you observed about human beings, kindness and compassion from working in the sector? I think my the best carers I've ever recruited and still recruit come to the business with the um, with a mindset. You you can already when you interview them, which is part of our interview strategy, is the values of the business. Do they display the values of the business? And they're the best carers. They're the best people in terms of these are the people that do it for a vocation. They do it because it it's what they love. Um, they know that they will never earn as much as um, maybe, you know, in, in Tesco's, you could probably earn just as much money as becoming a carer. But the, but the, the feeling that you get when you, when you make somebody's life a little bit better or their day a little bit brighter, it's all about the feelings. And um, I've observed that the best, best carers I've ever recruited all come with the values that my business already stand for. Yeah, no, definitely love that philosophy. And in terms of the business, what are you most proud of? If you look back on what you've achieved, what are you most proud of over that time, Joe? Well, it was our anniversary the other day and I must have had 60 or 70 messages to wish us a happy 19th year anniversary. Um, and it doesn't really hit me because, again, because I think I'm probably quite humble, I always feel like, I feel very lucky to be in this and privileged to be in this position. So it doesn't really hit me that what I've really achieved or how far I've come. I think I'm most proud of what I've done for care workers. I hope that that I hope that people that have worked for me or have worked for me know the investment and the time that I've taken to ensure that they're they feel valued and empowered and trusted. And what, like I said to you, whatever happens in the future, wherever I go, I believe that I will be involved in changing the role of the care worker. I would like to see that change completely. So I think I'm proud, most proud of what I've done for the care workers that have worked for me. If we talk about technology and digital tools, I suppose, you know, and, and, and how that has and will impact the delivery of, you know, care services. Um, what do you think the impact is, Joe? Well, when you talk about IT in the care sector or, um, you know, systems and processes, it's quite hard. It's quite hard. It's a hard word when you're talking about somebody that's vulnerable and then you go, well, actually, I've got a load of processes and uh, you need to log in and you need to do this. It's very hard. So it's been a very difficult journey, actually. That's probably my hardest journey is implementing electronic care planning and monitoring systems in the business because it is so far removed from what the actual output is. Um, So there are essential parts of IT and and 
and software that needs to happen in terms of the compliance side of things. Families need to know that care will happen, especially if you're living far away from your grandmother or your mother or your brother. They need to know that a, a yeah, somebody went in and fed my mum and she wore this today and she was happy and would you like to log on or would you like me to FaceTime you so you can chat to your mum, blah, blah, blah. All of those sort of things are, are essential. They're the essential things that have to happen. But the way we, you implement it in a business, and my advice is to anybody in the care sector doing the same thing, doing the thing, it's a very soft approach because care workers don't like it. So you have to do it very softly. And again, it's about what the message I said right at the very beginning, it's about making sure they're on the bus. Why are we doing it? What's the why? Why are we having to implement this? This is because we're trying to keep care workers safe and service users cared for and, and, and we're accountable. So the compliance happens. The exciting side of technology is the things like that I've recently seen is if somebody's on the floor and they've fallen over in, in their home, we can't help them up because we have to call an ambulance. If they can't if they can't get themselves up, unfortunately, they're on the floor. Um, in cases that we've seen people on the floor for, for many hours, too many uncomfortable hours, um, we are taught in the care sector to move and handle people appropriately. So we know how to move and handle people when they're on the bed, to change pads, to get them dressed, to help them um, manoeuvre themselves around. I've seen this thing where you um, can put like a, a plastic sheet underneath somebody with minimum movement and then pump it up so it inflates like a um, like a little bed on the floor and I think that's incredible I, I just think if somebody is going to be on the floor let's make them comfortable let's you know without hurting anybody or making anything worse let's let's keep them comfortable so there's great, there's great parts of technology that I'm seeing coming along. And then there's the necessary technology that's quite difficult to... It's hand in hand, isn't it? I suppose yeah. you've that innovation that will change yeah. and improve and make lives better. But also the compliance side, I suppose, is, is making lives better, isn't it? It's just, but as you quite honestly say, it's about selling the why, isn't it? And I think that's the same with any IT project, but very much I can understand with, you know, with the care and maybe their view of, you know, what's important to them. You've, you've got to sell the why to yeah, make the really implementation hard. happen. And I can imagine it has That's its moments and its difficulties. That's been part of my journey, actually. Yeah. And as we start to wrap up the conversation, I should refer to the fact that we were on a podcast together. We're on the Azets podcast talking about acquisition and disposals. So I just do want to touch on that with you because I, I was really fascinated by what you had to say about you know how you've grown both organically, but also by you know making a number of acquisitions. I, I suppose my first question around that is what made you consider growth by acquisition as a kind of tool and as a strategy to follow rather than following just the organic go growth? Organic growth is tough, as we, everybody knows. It's really hard to grow organically. I think it's a great foundation. I wouldn't have changed the way that I've, I've managed the business growth. But then to, to accelerate your growth and for my vision to com be complete, and my vision is that we continue to grow across the south coast and be the largest independent provider of of care i needed to grow a bit quicker and because i had limited resources sort of a, a tier, tier beneath me and you know i've got re great registered managers but it is just me with the strategy horizon scanning and stuff so i, I needed it to be quicker so i first of all looked at geographic locations and where would i like the next business to be 
then it was the cultural fit. Are they the right business for my business? Are they going to link well? Are they going to join up well? And then it was the people in the business. Again, I, I looked for synergies really. And then the, the cost of it all. So then can the financial side of things, you know, did was it a good acquisition in terms of price? Do they make profit? Are they do they have good regu- um, registration um, uh, standards? Um, so acquisition is still a big part of my growth plan, and I'm I have two at the moment that I'm pursuing. And again, they're all in the geographical locations. And in terms of diversifying the business, I am looking at other businesses so that I can diversify as I am seeing another bit another shift coming in terms of the type of care people are going to be looking for in the future it's exciting and interesting I suppose my only question I mean it, and it's, it's a really interesting and you've articulated the why and the how and the process really well I suppose my only question is when I listen to you speak and you know during the course of this conversation you're so passionate about the way you do things the approach you take have you had challenges sort of you know positioning your values the mission statement the way in which you do things the kind of people that you want to employ when you've made acquisitions has there been that kind of I suppose you could call it the change curve hasn't it has there been times when you've you've gone through it and thought I'm not sure I have done the right thing and what and how have you put things right if you have seen that maybe you haven't yeah no I think my first acquisition I don't know whether it was because I was slightly naive or because um, it was a shock for the, the other business going through the change curve, as you as you rightly said. So I think the first one, I thought they would be really quite excited about being part of the business, and they really weren't. <laughs> That's a funny and, they, and they really didn't want me to, to buy them and, and take over. They were a small business, and I'm proud of them today because they're on the journey they're a huge success and they're very much part of the business so safe harbor was the business that was was my first business and it was owned by a lovely lady much to my detriment (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and she loved the business as much as I do so it's very difficult when you take over from someone like that you're not Mm. saving them I I thought okay I'm going to make this so much uh, easier for them I'm going to give them way more money I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I thought there was lots of wins for me I and I was naive there because they were loved by the previous owner and that was the big challenge I had to overcome and it was a lot a lot for me to learn from um I had to take a bit of a step back not be so forthright in oh we're going to do this we're going to do this it was a very slow slow process and it worked but I did have to quickly check myself and, and decide, actually, you're going to be much slower at this, Joe. You're not going to be able to do that. And you're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. So be patient and do it the right way. And listen, again, I suppose it's, it's coming back to you, perhaps, you know, that empathetic leader in you is actually realising that these individuals, you know, there was some resistance there and, and that you yeah. had to do it in a more a gradual kind of manner. So I admire you for that. Uh, I always end with the same question and I'm intrigued to see what your answer would be. You know, away from the business, what do you define as personal success, Joe? I think there's been times along the journey that, like I said to you, it has been quite lonely. It's been a challenge to be able to every day show up, especially when you have three children and and 
doing it all by myself in terms of, you know, I never had a partner with the boys and things. I, I didn't really have anyone to bounce any ideas from. So the fact that I have all my marbles still and, and can take a day off now <laughs> and, and the boys are really proud of me, actually. All three boys have always, you know, they're so proud of their mum. And I think that's the biggest validation I need is my boys are so, so proud of me. Brilliant. Thank you. And what a great answer. If people want to learn more about you, Joe, but importantly, learn more about Platinum and Care Solutions, where can they go? Well, they can go on our website at www.platinumcareuk.co.uk. It's a mouthful and I'm always told off uh, how long our website is, but you can find us on Facebook. My, I'm not very good at social media, so I don't. I'm not too active. Um, but yeah, you can you can find us on on the, the website or Facebook. Brilliant. Thank you, Joe. I've loved our conversation. I've loved to hear, and our listeners will hear it throughout as well. Your love, your passion for the team, the business, and your industry, and that empathetic leader and that humble individual coming across during the course of our conversations i wish you every success for the future joe thank you for being a great guest on the evolve to succeed podcast thanks warren thank you thank you for listening to the evolve to succeed podcast my hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable informed and inspired individual and business leader If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.